You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. Welcome to another very, very special episode of Once Upon a Turnbuckle, and I have truly been like a kid at Christmas or waiting for Christmas since I knew that this guy was coming on the show. So like me, if you've grown up with what I consider to be the best era of um, the WWF, the, the sort of mid to late, uh, sorry, the, the early to mid 90s, you may not know the name, you may not know the face, but you will know this guy's work. He created so many of our memories visually. Uh, Tom Fleming, welcome to the show. Thank you, mate. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's funny you say that, you know, if you don't know the name of the face, um, it seems as though I'm finding out uh, just recently that nobody's known that I've done all this stuff, um, you know, back in the 90s. And um, it's kind of coming to light. And uh, it, I've gotten such a great uh, reception from the fans and stuff, um, kind of, you know, just after, you know, 30 years or so, um, you know, kind of sharing uh the all the um drawings and paintings and designs and stuff that i did for the wwf um so pretty much um besides some very few comic book fans that have met me at conventions and things like that nobody nobody's going to recognize the face of the name until now so it's kind of nice and that's the beauty of social media so that's really how i how i discovered who you were really i think we were in a, a mutual um sort of you know vintage classic wrestling fan group and you put up i believe it was it was the uh the drawings that you did for the royal rumble 94 i yeah. think you put that up and you happened to mention on there that this is some of the work that you did and i took a second take i was like wow you know and then it kind of went on and then i i found more and more of your posts and i was like this guy pretty much like i said at the beginning he illustrated my childhood because as a seven-year-old that I was when I discovered wrestling, it was the really visual characters and the outfits and the posters, everything that that drew me in. Um, and we'll get to talk about specifically, I don't want to go too far down, sort yeah. of just to let you know what my favourites are and everything. But um, before we sort of reach that point, let's go back, sort of talk a little bit about your background up to when you started to work for the WWF. What was it that you were doing? How did you get into it? Um, well, interesting question because, uh, I graduated from Syracuse university, um, pretty much just, uh, got a job just to pay my bills, which was, uh, flipping pizzas, making pizza, <laughs> making about $5 an hour, uh, just to pay my bills. And, um, pretty much, um, 
you know, just kind of doing whatever freelance artwork I can I can do, which was really low rates at the time, because uh, you always have to pay your dues. Um, and uh, I answered an ad in the New York Times, and the um, it was a generic ad. Uh, nobody, you know, nobody mentioned it. What who it was for? It just said an illustrator was needed, and I took uh, about a half a dozen or so lip snapshots, threw them in an envelope sent them off and got a call for to come in for an interview and um had no idea where i was going into but they uh you know they said come in it was in stanford connecticut and uh walked in and the uh walls were covered in wwf posters and all kinds of uh you know memorabilia and all that kind of stuff and I thought it was the advertising agency that was that did the WWF's promotions, having no idea that um, it was actually the WWF. Um, and I got suspicious when I was walking down the hall. Uh, at the time, Vince McMahon was uh, starting, just starting the uh, WBF, the World Bodybuilding yeah. Federation. And um, as I'm walking down the hall, Tom Platts, a, a professional bodybuilder, came walking past me and I immediately recognized him and realized that, okay, something's going on here. Cause now, you know, sports celebrities are walking around the halls and then they informed me when I came into the meeting that it was the actual WWF and uh, oh, right. you know, and that's, they're looking for a, um, they didn't mention a designer. They just said an illustrator. So this wasn't Titan towers that you went to. So it didn't give the game away. sort of when you went to the building. It Exactly. It was um, it was actually a, uh, a building that they were renting uh, in Stanford, Connecticut, down the street. <clears throat> so I was there in the transition from starting to work at this in, in this other office space and then, you know, watching Titan Towers fit the construction uh, being finished and then doing the big move to uh, everybody setting up their office space and, and going over there, which was really exciting. Okay. So before you saw that ad and that, what sort of work were you doing or what sort of, you know, things had you done you know, artistically up to that point? Yeah. Okay. So I was pretty young. Um, I was around 25, 26 years old. And um, at the time, so I graduated uh, from Syracuse with my uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts. And I started the first job I ever I ever, uh, the first magazine I ever worked for was Alfred Hitchcock's mystery magazine, okay. which was a little horror, a little horror magazine, uh, black and white. Um, I thought that I was going to be doing the, uh, cover illustrations for them and had no idea that, you know, how much you really have to pay your dues. And they wound up giving me a bunch of, uh, interior, uh, illustrations that were black and white. And they paid me about a hundred dollars and after uh after taxes and uh you know uh, shipping and all that kind of stuff i pretty much made about 50 bucks uh <laughs> each illustration but nonetheless it was a job you know i was uh i was doing um i was doing illustration work and at the time uh selling at that time i was selling water beds okay. so yeah in the 90s water beds are big i got a, i was a water bed <laughs> salesman Retro and, um, now, and what's that? Retro now. Yeah, exactly. Totally <laughs> retro, and um, and it was kind of a uh, in a way, an ideal situation because selling waterbeds 
there was very few customers that would come in. It was never like the store was very busy. So I had a desk and I would sit there and I would do my illustration uh, for Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine while I was actually at work selling waterbeds. And then, yeah, then when a customer came in, I would spend my time with them and then get, get back to the illustration. Um, and then, you know, there was a couple of rent. One of the weird jobs that I, I got right off the bat was um, a, a good friend of mine that I graduated with was a designer. He was working for a big time, a big uh, um, design firm in New York City. And they had an illustrator that could not, that failed to do the uh, job that they needed to be done. And it was for the label of a Minwax, uh, Minwax stains, wood stains. So it had nothing to do with anything that I wanted to get into. But um, at the time, uh, the pay was really, it was really good for, a, you know, 23, 24-year-old. Um, and they needed the illustration in one night. So I pretty much pulled it all night or 24 hours, just worked through, uh, trained it into New York City, dropped it off. And that was my first color uh, professional illustration job. And for 20 years, it was on the shelves in uh, all the all the hardware stores and Home Depot and all that kind of stuff. So that's the, you know, it was just random, random stuff. I had no plans of being a designer or an illustrator for the uh, WWF. Uh, my dream at the time was to be a, a fantasy uh, paperback artist. So to do okay. fantasy, you know, um, Conan and uh, wizards, dragons, all that kind of stuff. So that was, um, that was the goal. And, um, and then when I answered the ad in the uh, New York Times, uh, the trajectory changed quite a bit. And, um, and it, yeah, the, the career took a turn, a really unexpected turn. You could say that you ended up doing a little bit of, you know, working on fantastical characters in a sense, just slightly different. Yeah, and that's the thing. I was a huge, I mean, growing up since I, you know, since I was a little kid, I was huge comic book fan. And um, I never thought that I really had the um, ability to be a professional comic book artist. My kind of specialty was doing more realistic type of things that lent itself to fantasy art. So um, I, you know, I, I take a lot of photo reference and work realistically when I paint. And um, that really uh that really worked for fantasy and comic books are a lot more stylized and um you know a lot of um you know you really have to develop a um uh a, a very um recognizable style in order to really succeed at comics <clears throat> and um and so yeah it was it the you know the dream was to to do the fantasy stuff and then um but but i had comic book like drawings in my portfolio so i think when the wwf interviewed me they saw the um the type of drawing and paintings that i was doing you know through school and i think that was a big reason why they hired me because they wanted to bring that into the costume design which i had no idea that that's why they were hiring me but eventually you know that's you know that's what i that was my primary job in a way so obvious question i suppose were you a wrestling fan going into this or was it a world that you didn't really sort of paid much attention to before you were then immersed in it 
I know I was not a wrestling fan at all. A matter of fact, I knew not. I didn't even know who the Ultimate Warrior was when I got the job okay. there. I knew, uh, of course, everyone knew Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, after Rocky III, <clears throat> when he was Thunderlips, then you know the world knew who Hulk Hogan was. And um, and while I was working there, they um, they gave you know I I heard somewhere I don't know how um, accurate it is. But they said that at one point, Hulk Hogan's face was more recognizable worldwide than Mickey Mouse. So, yeah, 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 which was which is a pretty neat, uh, you know, that's, you know, a pretty neat uh, fact if it's, you know, if it is true. Um, But I didn't know anybody. Uh, I didn't I didn't follow. Of course, Andre the Giant, the big ones, the real the household names. So yeah, it was an interesting thing to learn the uh, learn the ropes, uh, you know, pun intended. <laughs> and so I, th- I guess to bring a, a fresh kind of um, perspective on it, maybe because if you got someone from within, maybe I don't know a lot of these things that you did. They yeah, you know, I think that's the. Th- I think you're right. I think um, if I knew. If I was closer to the uh, to the um, you know the whole company and the and the uh, and the uh, wrestlers and the talent and all that stuff, I think it might have inhibited me uh, a bit because there's those preconceived ideas um, that would get in the way as a, as opposed to just being you know fresh ideas and I, a lot of the stuff I would just throw ideas out there just for the heck of it and be you know amazed that that was the ones that they chose for the designs. Yeah, which is probably the most refreshing ones they received. And again, to repeat the point, if it was somebody else who who knew more, who was who was already in there, it, it may they may not have taken a punt like you did with, with some of your designs. So, uh, so let, let's get into that then. What was the first project, sort of the first official project that you had when you um, when you started working there? Okay, so the first project ever. So I went in for the interview. Uh, evidently the interview went very well because they offered me a job at that, at the interview. They didn't even say, we'll get back to you. And the job was to do, um, and it was, it was a little bit, it was, it was kind of strange because the first big job that they gave me was a fully painted, uh, piece for the background to the, uh, Legion of Doom poster, which was the one in the back alleyway. And... Yeah, it was kind of, you know, I thought they were going to test me out with, um, you know, with, you know, a smaller kind of maybe a little pen and ink job or something a little, you know, maybe a little um, uh, drawing for the magazine or something like that. And they had, you know, they said, we need this background for the Legion of Doom poster. We're going to Photoshop the wrestlers on top of your painting. So it is absolutely crucial that it looks super realistic and that these wrestlers look like they're in the environment. So I was a little bit nervous. Um, It was actually almost in my, it was in my wheelhouse. So it was something that I wasn't, it was, wasn't something that was totally new to me to paint like that, but because of the, um, you know, the size of the job and, you know, the specifics of, you know, when somebody says we need it super realistic, there's different levels of realism and you don't know exactly what they mean. You know, do they mean it has to look exactly like a photograph? Does it have, you know, so um, I was a little nervous went and I worked out of my home studio. I was not working in house at the time and uh, went home and just started painting my ass off. Um, you know, 
that's it. It was just um, I tried to, you know, get it done. As they gave me a deadline, and I take my deadlines really seriously and nailed the deadline, brought it in, and they were super happy with it. And that's when they offered me a like a two or three week trial of working in house, setting up a cubicle and working in house. And they said, if that goes well, we'll go from there. And going from there meant I wound up being there for you know three, four years in house, and then wound up working for them for over a decade. Wow, so it turned out yeah. for the best. So, so going from doing a background to a poster to then costume design for lack of a better term. Um, how did that occur? Was there any like pre-warning that that's the direction they were taking you or did they just kind of land it on you one day? As far as I remember, the it was one of those things where um, uh, I did that, I did the poster. Uh, right after that, I started working in house and I believe the next job was probably for the uh, Undertaker's first t-shirt, which was the pen and ink, uh, the pen and ink drawing of the undertaker. Uh, but soon after that, because the Legion of doom poster came across, came over so well that they offered me to do the, um, Sid justice poster. Okay, cool. And it was the one with the columns, you know, with the columns and it said Sid justice across the top. And, okay, um, I think, I'm, I think I remember this is going back some time, you know, yeah, trying to picture it, my bedroom it, again. <laughs> exactly. I believe that was 91. So okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 91. So yeah. So, you know, they, my daily job was to do, you know, stuff like this, um, pen and ink work for merchandise. And, um, they did these, uh, kind of simplistic drawings of the wrestlers, uh, black and white that could be used on all licensed for all kinds of products. And most people recognize them on like ice, the ice cream bars. I was just about to say that. Were they those ones? Yes, I do remember those. Yeah. Yeah. So I started doing those. And at first, I was not even drawing the figures. My boss, Adriana, was drawing the figures. And she would, to speed things up and to help her out, she would pass the drawings on to me to ink. And then I would ink them. And then she would draw them. And it became like, you know, to, and it, and it worked really well. And then eventually, she was like, wow, she got the confidence in me. And was like, we can get two jobs done at the same time. So she started drawing the figures and started letting me draw the figures. And we, would, I would draw an ink, my uh, a whole you know illustration myself, and then she would do the same thing. So yeah, it was it was doing that for for a while. And to be honest, it's such a long time. I don't know what a while is defined as. Um, it could have been, you know, a few weeks, um, a couple of months. I don't know, but I do know that out of the blue, <clears throat> they, she came over and she said, you know what, we need, um, a, a new wrestler is coming in and we need costume designs and we're going to have you, my buddy, Jay, her, and I think one or two, maybe other designers were going to do costume designs. We're going to all submit them to Vince and we're going to, you know, we're going to see, uh, who, you know, what he likes. And I don't remember what the first costume was, but I do know that it was it was either Tatanka, uh, Tatanka, Tatanka or Crush, I believe. Okay. And I think it was Tatanka because Tatanka wasn't a hundred percent 
my design. We were kind of throwing ideas off each other and working as a team. And, um, and then I did the, uh, I did the actual, uh, the drawings that were submitted. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've described the process um, in a couple of other podcasts of all four of us would do our designs and we'd probably do maybe um, yeah, three or four designs each, maybe sometimes more, sometimes less. <clears throat> and we would go up to Vince's, uh, down up to the penthouse floor, go down the marble hallway to the big doors, open the door. And in there, he had a big table set up. And we would lay all the costume designs across the table and he would come over and he would kind of start from the beginning and, you know, look down at them and, you know, kind of go from one end of the table to the other. And you try to, you know, you try to, you hope that he stops at your design and takes a closer look. And, um, and eventually he, uh, he stops and he just says, you know, I like that one right there. And if it's yours, you're, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's a good day of work. You know, you're like, all right, uh, you know, I got this one today. Um, and uh, it became, it became uh, a, a common for Vince to choose my designs, my boss's designs, or my buddy Jay's designs. So they started kind of um, weeding out the other designers and letting them do their other design work on logos and advertisements and things like that. And then the three of us started doing mostly the design work. And then my buddy Jay left the company and me and Adriana became the costume designers uh, pretty much. Cool. So yeah. as, as I said, well, I was seven years old when I discovered wrestling. So my over here in the UK, I mean, especially at the time I didn't have, you know, cable TV. I couldn't see, see it on a um, sort of my weekly basis. I was very reliant on being given videotapes, but also my main source of information at the time was the WWF magazine. Ah, so yep. the, 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 the superstars that really jumped out of me are the ones that literally leapt off the page. There were a few going back to 92. So way back when I started this podcast, I talked about the, the two or three years, which really are my favorite because I really discovered um, a lot of it for myself for the first time, 92, 93. Are yep. still among my favorite years cool. and i think during the early part of 92 um you know that summer or whatever there was guys like papa shango when crush came along and i first saw his feature in the magazine it was the it was his attire that really like wow i really want to see him in the ring you know he's, he's one i really want to watch and another one and i'm not just reading these off just because you're here this is genuine oh that's, um, that's wonderful so th these were guys that i didn't get to see a lot of and i was really hoping they would make it to the big pay-per-view events because that's really the only time i got to see them in action um and another one that i really didn't get to see much in the ring but i absolutely loved the costume was max moon all right okay so again the reason i brought this up yeah they were my favorites but also you worked on all of those yep so yep. you know we're looking, we're talking sort of real comic book kind of imagery going on what sort of briefs were you given for these kind of guys you know were you given much to go on or was it literally just like see what conjures up in your mind well it was it it, it varied um some of the wrestlers they gave us a snapshot of their face and said we need uh, a concept so just go off and do different ideas mm -hmm. different themes 
sometimes they came to us and they literally just said, this is, um, you know, this guy is coming in. He, you know, like Max Moon, he's, he's going to be like a spaceman kind of theme. We need you to just come up with different ideas. And what we would do is we would have to take those. And there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, factors that we had to consider when designing and that is you know especially for max moon it's like there was the there was the walk-in that he could look a certain way but there was also the um performance where he where whatever he was wearing it had to be durable and it had to be comfortable so there was um you know we we thought of uh you know like okay when he has his entrance with the uh you know you know it's got to be dramatic um he could wear things that were um, a bit more cumbersome, but when he's in the ring, he would have to take those off. And then whatever attire he's wearing is it, you know, it's gotta be pretty much standard wrestling gear, which was the trunks, which was a singlet, you know, or, you know, or a, a variation of, you know, those things. <clears throat> um, Papa Shango, for instance, they came to me, I had, they didn't show me a picture of Charles. Uh, I had no idea what he looked like, but they did say we want a Haitian voodoo doc, witch doctor. And they gave me the movie. Um, uh, uh, geez. Uh, what was the name of the movie? Um, uh, Serpent in the rainbow okay. just, just came out fairly recent. And they said that that would be a good starting point. There was a witch doctor, a Haitian witch doctor. And they said, take a look at that. Um, of course, we don't want you to copy that. We want you to come up with your own look. And um, and I've shared the uh, Papa Shango designs uh, all over, you know, on social media and on other podcasts. So I'm not sure if you've seen the original designs. You probably have. The um, seen it in one of the other ones, yeah. Because yeah. Okay, so cool. Yeah. So really, what ha- um, I started working on it was me my buddy Jay and my boss, Adriana, she was working on mostly um, the Cape designs. And I did, um, I did designs kind of focusing on the singlet, which was the double headed serpent and the black with the red. And I drew, you know, the, the smoking skull that he was holding with the, uh, with the beads. Um, And I believe my buddy Jay uh, drew, I think he came up with the, that rain stick, uh the brain yeah yeah it was either him or adriana and the and when we put the when we put the design together the uh adriana put her face paint on the design and it i i thought that the whole design looked really it was really effective but the face paint was not working for me and i didn't want i was very careful because i didn't want to insult anybody and she was really good at what she did so I really didn't know how to handle it, but I knew that there had to be a kind of more of an edge to his face paint and it had to look more imposing. So I actually did some designs of close-ups of his face with the face paint that everyone knows as Papa Shango. And I gave that to her and I said, Hey, I just did these as, um, you know, extras. And she was like, Oh, great. And we submitted those to Vince and, um, you know, the rest is history. He loved, he loved the uh, costume designs with the face paint. He was one of those characters that there, there was a certain type of wrestler um, back when I was growing up that, that used to really uh, scare me. 
Um, you know, whether it was their imagery or whether it was how brutal they were in the ring, he was both. You know, he was, he was even today, I don't think they've they've really come close to a character that had that much impact. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's funny. Okay, so while I do these podcasts and stuff, and, like, you just jarred a, a, a memory that I um, that I haven't, re- I haven't uh, remembered since back in the day based on Papa Shango is that um, we would get fan mail, and the fan mail was not always praising what we were doing. We got uh, fan mail from kids that were saying that Papa Shango is scaring them to death. We got, I, I remember reading a letter from a kid that said his brother was put in a mental, mental institution because he went crazy after watching Papa Shango. So mm-hmm. I have no idea what the story is behind that, but some, we were, based on what you just said, we were absolutely getting letters um, wow. that, that ab- you were not the only one. <laughs> that's oh, that's yeah. good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. But, I mean, it's su- such an imposing. And I I I didn't realize until um, you know further down the line that that he then um, Charles Wright came back and he was these other multiple characters. You know, because he was so individual with every single one, you couldn't yeah. associate him back with Papa Shango. And it was you know, it's it's still one of my my favorite. Um, not only the imagery, but the whole thing about that character was just just epic. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. I mean, you know, of the three of the uh, my three top designs that I've done, I have to say um, were uh, was was Razor, mm-hmm. Razor Ramon, Adam Bomb, and Papa Shango. Those were those were my top three of like being able to do my thing, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and they were chosen. Uh, you know, it was that real kind of comic book kind of over the top, had some edge to them. And uh, yeah, I, I and uh, you know with with Pop, I still have one of Papa Shango's top hats. Um, right. I have one of his skulls. I've actually I dressed up because I had so much Papa Shango actual gear. At yeah. one point, I was invited to a Halloween party, and um, and I didn't have a costume because I waited to the last minute. And I dressed up as Papa Shango with his real Brilliant. stuff. Brilliant. So it was yeah, it was fun. That's amazing. So you touched on a couple of other. Um sort of key characters that you helped bring to life. Um, it's all about Razor Ramon to begin with, because his original look, um, it, it was quite far from what he actually ended up with, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's a good example of multiple designers working on the same costume. Um, so hit the original, his debut, and I didn't even know this until recently that he debuted with a different costume than mine uh until fans started um saying hey you know there you know he did appear with the long purple pants with the razor blades on them and that was my that was jay's design with um and originally he had puffy sleeves with a uh almost kind of look like a swashbuckler in a way (laughs) um and i had no idea but i guess maybe it was uh it was a time uh, sensitive kind of situation where they did the, they did the designs, they sent them off and they had that done. But then uh, there was a, there was a, um, a moment in the WWF's gym 
where I would go after work to miss rush hour, get a workout in. And every once in a while, the wrestlers would come in and they would get a workout also when they were in town for a show or whatever, or to meet with, uh, with Vince. Mm -hmm. And, um, and while I was down there, Scott Hall walked in and, uh, and he, I guess somebody told him that I was the guy who designed his costume because he came over to me and he said, um, he was super appreciative thanked me. He's like, man, I love it, brother. He goes, I have to, you know, I do have a requ request though. And he goes, that request is I've been working so hard on my legs. He goes, we gotta, we gotta go with trunks instead of the uh, long pants that, uh, and, and I thought that he was referring to the long pants that I designed, which maybe he was, um, uh, which was the black, pants with the razor logo on it that everybody knows with the gold razor blades and i could see in your background that the oh, nice. um, that you have a, a an example of it right there um and so that was an easy adjustment we just took the uh made the trunks out of the took the legs off and put the razor blades on the knee pads and um you know it's the razor ramon that everybody everybody knows so yeah so i don't know what I don't know how, what the details are of, um, you know, as far as I know, he only appeared like once his debut with those purple pants and then he went right to, so I think maybe the designs got sent off. There's a possibility the wrong design got sent off and they produced it and there wasn't enough time to get the, um, the costume design that he wanted done or they did both of them and they, they you know, he just chose to, to stick with my design. I'm not, you know, I'm not a hundred percent positive about how it went, but I'm glad it's, it went the way it did. I was going to say that this is, it's probably one of the, the more, rec I mean, they're all recognizable, but in terms of his legacy, I suppose that he left behind, you know, during his days in the ring, I, this has got to be one of the, one of the bigger ones that you, you can hang your hat on. That's exact. That's, that's a hundred percent accurate. I mean, it's, it, he was, I thought a really excellent, uh, he had such a good imposing kind of, um, look to it, to look to the character and, you know, built, you know, built like a freaking superhero. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just, he just really came, you know, came across really well. But I think as far as he, it was a more traditional type look beside the yeah. vest. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and I really, you know, I liked it because it was the first design that I ever did where I designed the logo and the costume. So I was really proud that um, it was the first logo I ever designed in my life, I think. And that's the logo that he kept on all, you know, no matter what color changes or design changes, he always had that. Right. That's really quite cool. You won't see a Razor Ramon match without it. So it's a, a bit of publicity really <laughs> yeah exactly so it was um it was and then when he got um inducted into the hall of fame as razor ramon not as scott hall that was a super proud moment of like oh man you know i one of the designs got is now in the hall of fame that's that's super cool you can't top that yeah well, you can. I was going to say the only way to top it is if uh, somehow I got it uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I I I implore anyone out there who who may be listening to this who's got any kind of influence in that uh, that department. I think your contribution to certainly you know my 
memories, my childhood, um, is phenomenal, you know, and to know that I, I've only just recently found out who you are, you know, be able to link it back to you, you know, is, is it, you deserve your chance to basically stand up and say, yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, and actually, um, this is this is a subject that I usually talk about towards the end. But um, since we're talking about it, um, it's actually a quite a um, a personal situation where um, when when I was working there with with Jay, uh, we were, uh, you know, we were like, you know, we were a, a team and mm-hmm. hit it off. He was about. 10, about 15 years older than me, but um, so young, you know, young in spirit, and we worked so well together. He left the company, and we stayed in touch, became lifelong friends. And um, in 2015, Jay was diagnosed with leukemia, and um, he, it was, you know, one of the t- we would, you know, we were on, we talked on the phone regularly. He was in New York still. I would, I moved down to North Carolina. And one of the things that we joked about was he brought up one day of us getting into the hall of fame of like being recognized. And we would laugh about it because it was a pipe dream. We had no idea um, at the time of the impact that we made and the, and, you know, the kind of importance in the, for that era. Um, and we would laugh about it. And, it, you know, he was like, man, he goes, neither one of us are suit people, but he goes, man, can you imagine me and you going up there in our, in our tuxes? And we would, we would joke and laugh. And it turns out that he, he passed away in, um, in, in 2015. And I, it kind of like, you know, it was just one of those things that I always thought about. And then last year, when I started posting all this stuff, um, I just joined some Facebook groups and started sharing it just because, uh, you know, it was like, all right, you know what, let's get this stuff out there. And I can't believe the reception and the response that I got. And it, it's so humbling. I can't tell you how much I appreciate. And actually, I'm a bit uncomfortable with the um, magnitude of the compliments and the uh um, the outpour of support that I've been getting. Um, it's just so, it's so unbelievably rewarding, but it also sparked that memory of me and Jay talking about this. And I was like, my God, is this actually a possibility of, of us getting into the hall of fame? And, um, and the more and more I talk to people and share this, it seems, it seems like it's becoming more and more realistic and I can't tell you that there, if, if I could possibly get Jay into the Hall of Fame and have him honored for him, his family, and his widow, Gina, um, that would be a life goal that um, accomplished that, um, you know, that would be un- absolutely unbelievable. So it's, it's definitely something, you know, anyone out there, including myself, can do anything to help support that. I think you know. Let's let's get that let's get that happening. Yeah, if I mean that that would be and and then I I heard about the um which I had no idea but I heard about the Warrior Award mm-hmm. and um and I've shared stories about uh about the Ultimate Warrior um you know people have asked you know hey good experiences bad experience at the WWE and um you know one of the bad experiences was um, being backstage 
uh, at Papa Shango's debut, mm -hmm. I was working on his cape and I mean, it was coming down to the wire. The cape wasn't finished. I was wiring rubber snakes onto it and spiders and all kinds of stuff and trying to get this thing ready. And the ultimate warrior came walking backstage and instead of walking around me, he walked right through the cape, hooked the cape on his foot and kicked it across the room. Didn't even make eye contact with me, went into the bathroom and, you know, and I just stood there like I, you know, I was like, oh man, I was like, there's not a whole lot I can do, but <laughs> I was like, wow, that really sucks. Yeah. And then I heard about the warrior award and his uh, speech and his uh, suggestion mm -hmm. to award the people in the behind the scenes and uh, create this award, which they did. And I have to say and put it out there that um, all is forgiven if that <laughs> comes through. And, um, you know, and, you know, and, and it would be so ironic and come full circle yeah. if, you know, if, that experience turned into one of the greatest experiences of uh, working there. It, it may just be karma in the best possible way. You know, maybe you came to appreciate the guys like yourself, the unsung heroes, really, you know, later on in life. And yeah, you know, could, could be it, your avenue in. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just a crazy thing to hear, you know, when you say unsung heroes, it's like, you know, I was 25, 26 years old um making a living uh doing this and you know super happy doing it but thinking that it was going to be a stepping stone to get to marvel comics and okay. which it was i mean when i left the wwf uh i went on to interview for dc comics at a gallery show that my buddy introduced me to uh one of the editors and um and i started working for dc comics and then rolled that into marvel comics and um, and started doing that. So it did work out that way. But the irony of the whole situation was that the impact that I made was with the WWF, yeah. you know, in the big scheme of things. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy 30 years later learning that, yeah. my God, this is, um, I had absolutely no clue of the how beloved that era was and the characters and i think from a personal point of view as well so you know your your work starts mm. off on the page you know all of your ideas your passion that ends up on the page for us our superheroes are brought to life because of what you because of your work you know we see them in the ring and everything but they wouldn't have been brought to life so much without the work that you did you know so yeah it's um, it's interesting too. So you bring up another point about bringing it to life. And, uh, one of the things that was really interesting about doing drawings on paper and then seeing them come alive literally was that some of them translated very well and some of them did not translate very well. And I'm, I have not shared, um, a, a few of my designs that I consider, uh, embarrassing moments of my career okay and for this a is going to be a late time, this, I with, yeah this is going to be I a later question them. anyway so yeah what's that this is going to be a later question anyway so yeah is, are there anything that you worked on that you that you kind of put under the carpet and sort of don't want to put your name to 
Um, okay, so I can speak in the past. There was a few that I did not want to put my name to. And now when thing now that things have come full circle, I I'm 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 a bit more confident in what I've done in my career. And uh I I don't have that insecurity. So I think one of the interesting things is to reveal your failures along with your accomplishments and your successes. Absolutely. So I'm so I'm not sure if you um, if you're familiar, but every Friday on Reddit, on some of the Reddit groups and Facebook groups, I do what I call uh, Costume Concept Friday, and I posted and I post a different wrestler with my concept designs. On Friday, uh, usually Friday morning-ish, late morning, I'll post it up, and then you know, and it's and it's become a regular thing now. So I've posted most of the costumes that I'm proud of, and I'm going to start getting into. Um, okay, here's uh, here's embarrassing moments, costume. and it's kind of funny because some of the costumes that I thought that were. Um, a bit under, uh, uh, not as received as well as I would have liked or failures, or I, th I thought that there was a few costumes that were not successful. And when I posted them, I'm getting a response that people love them. So um, it's, there's a few that I'm fully confident that they are failures. And they're <laughs> like, you know, whether it was the wrestler or my designs or whatever. But um, Max Moon was one of them. I thought Max Moon was too gimmicky and I thought it was a little bit over the top. And it turns out that um, so many people are like, oh, my God, six year old me, seven year old me. That was like, you know, he was a superhero and this, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I you know, it's it's so funny, like with me not knowing the re the real inside of the fandom. Uh, I'm not exactly sure now how things were received. Uh, one of my Kane costumes, I did, I designed Kane's costume. Um, in that was one of the later costumes. When I stopped working for them, there was a gap of period that I, I was just doing my Marvel thing, and they called me back, and I did Kane's costume in like 2000. Geez, it was like 2001, 2002, okay. right yeah. around there. And I thought that that was not well received, but I'm getting a lot of feedback saying that they loved, they loved the costume. Um, it was one of their favorite cane costumes. And, you know, I had little tidbits that there was a, um, a request from the art director to add spawn uh, Todd McFarlane's spawn character to the mask. Um, so okay. it's yeah. So if you look back at it and I posted those on Facebook, the Facebook groups fairly recently, um, you can see you can see the spawn influence without being over the top like a ripoff. Cool. That's very cool. For, so, for, a, for a character who you wouldn't think would need any more kind of doing to him, really. Right. This came out. It keeps you know. There's always room for tweaks and improvements, I suppose. Yeah. Ex ex and you know what? I guess someone like him. I mean, geez, how many looks did the Undertaker go through? Right. Um, yeah. uh, so I think they just get bored sometimes and they just want a different look mm -hmm. um, suit. They were, you know, I mean, when they, when the guys get really, at, when they're in the top 10 and they become or, or top five, uh, I think they like to change their look and keep things fresh, get the fans talking, yeah. um, you know, it, 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 that, that type of thing. 
even if it's just changing the colors of their costumes like Razor did. He went with the green, he went with the purple, he went with the black. Um, That's, that know. was that was going to be another another point I was going to bring up. Actually, I'm quite interested in is obviously when you've done the initial design and you know a bit like Razor's a good example, and then you have these ones that are either a color change or they they go through another change. So I, I believe you um, you did the first costume for Sparky Plug, Bob Holly. Yep. 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 And I must admit, I the first time I saw him, which I think was his first pay-per-view appearance, which was the Royal Rumble 94, I didn't know him at all. He just came racing into the ring, and it was his costume that caught my eye. And I was like, you know, even by today's standards, that looks pretty out there. Yeah. Um, he went through a little bit of a change as he sort of dropped the, the Sparky Plug kind of character and, and went towards Bob Holly. Did you have anything to do with the late when the costumes then morphed and changed, or did they did somebody else literally just tweak your original design um okay for that particular one i had nothing so it's funny that the sparky plug uh costume design was the last design i ever did while working in-house okay. uh it was a time when the wwf was going through all those scandals and there was you know some terrible stuff going on mm -hmm. Uh, lots of, uh, there, I mean, let's say, you know, the media was all over the WWF with many different, uh, issues yeah. and they were, uh, financially, they were struggling. They, I watched, you know, when we would, when, when we designed a costume, we would go out on the road and at the TV tapings for the debuts, we were, we were responsible to make sure the costumes went smoothly and things like that. And at these TV tapings, they had these unbelievable like monster buffets of food and you know they hotel rooms and rented cars and like everything and then we watched the buffets disappear we <laughs> then we would have to share rented cars we'd have to share hotel rooms then we would have to drive our own cars the cafeteria at the office at the uh, titan towers closed down they started renting out the second floor of the building to a uh, travel agency and it was scary it was like wow and then the um they started laying off all the freelance artists and mm -hmm. designers and free i watched my friends just disappearing and people were being laid off and i worked so well with my boss and she fought for me and kept me on uh she told me that i was the last freelancer in the company and she was holding she was keeping me there as long as she could and then she came to me one day with uh you know, with some tears in her eyes. And she was like, this is it. She's like, you know, I, I have to let you go. I'm going to keep you on working from home for a while, as long as I can. And she gave me the sparky plug assignment to design possibly one last costume. Okay. There was no, I had absolutely no create creative um, uh, license for that costume whatsoever. It was Here's this guy. You create a NASCAR-looking costume for him with um, all the patches and you know advertisements and all that kind of stuff. Uh, make it look a little bit WWF, WWE. Um, you know, make it look kind of like that. But I think it was Vince's kind of way of trying to get the NASCAR uh, fans connected. You know, intermingling with the wrestling fans oh, yeah. and. Um, and so that's that, you know, I designed the jacket and the singlet and the whole thing. 
but it was that was not my uh, that was not my concept. Okay. And then, oh, to answer your question, no, I had nothing to do. What happens is once they have their debut and they start um, wrestling, I think a lot of the times they can they verbally tell the uh, the um, seamstresses um, what they want. And I'm not aware if somebody else was doing costume designs after that. Maybe my boss Adriana started doing was the only one, but uh, no. Typically, I had nothing. Once that initial design came out, I had nothing to do with the uh, second and third generations of that those costumes. Um, yeah. Just one that's um, sprung to mind actually, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that you had something to do with was the uh, the original one two three kid. Yeah, the blue one with yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's um, again at that kind of time that I mean the way that he 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 made his name. He obviously had an upset victory over Razor, obviously. So you got you know your work going in tandem there. But um, yeah, he he was he was another. He was completely different. You know, super, you know, build wise, superstar wise, he was really appealing. You know, at, at a young age, you know, it's a guy we could follow. And again, it's so in your face. The look of him was so bright, so vibrant. He really stood out. Yeah, he yes, he and he did. I mean, he stood out to us as the designers and stuff when we because we he was one of them that we didn't know what he looked like because he was the lightning kid, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. before that, and so they showed us pictures of the lightning kid. And they said, we really want to keep that kind of feel, but he's going to be the one, two, three kid. And we want this real fun, childlike um, feel to, you know, to carry over into the WWF. And um, and I remember meeting him for the first time and being like, holy crap. I was like, it's it's one guy that's not towering over me, yeah. you know, and making <laughs> me feel like a little kid. You know, I was like, all right, you know, like, I don't feel so, I don't feel like uh <laughs> like a little kid around around him but um but yeah i did a couple of different designs for him and uh they liked that you know vince was really uh re approved two of them at the same time uh one of them with the one two threes all over the costume and the other one with the actual um the fingers counting on yeah. his leg and i never even realized it but i've gotten um questions on social media and they're like why did you do Why'd you do the uh, three, two, one from the top to bottom? And I always thought he was the three, two, one kid. And <laughs> I have no idea. I didn't even know I did that. Um, I think, you know, to be honest, I, and I've, you know, I've never admitted this, but when I did that costume, I don't really think that I was expecting it to get approved and become an actual costume. Okay. It was the other costumes that I did that I thought would be approved. And that was like sometimes if my boss said, we need you to come up with four ideas, I would do two of them that were like, boom, you know, an image, a vision would come in my head. I would put that on paper. And then when I kind of like started like running out of ideas or something, sometimes I would do like one or two quick ones just to do my job. Yeah. And sometimes those were chosen and it was you know it was interesting so and i think that's what the case was with that one that's cool that's cool again such a memorable such a memorable character um so moving on we'll circle back to to one guy in particular after this next bit because he ties in with where you're currently at but one of the the most memorable things that i remember that you did were the survivor series 93 
artwork. Yeah. Now, I, I remember this. This is how my memory works. I remember my 10th birthday, mainly because I got a mounted Hasbro action figure, but also because I got the Survivor Series 93 VHS. And it was that cover that really stuck with me. That was my favorite VHS cover. Ever. And I remember seeing in the WWF magazine when they, uh, months before, when they were building for the event, they had both sides. I think side by side or, or over the page or something. They had both the foreign fanatics and the, the all Americans one. And I was just like, this is, it's, it was so different again at the time. The, the only time I've, the only time I've seen that is with the Royal Rumble 91, 92. Yeah. With the artwork that was done there. Obviously you weren't involved in that, I guess. Was it someone else that did those ones? That was, uh, that was a, um, a friend of mine. Uh, and at the time was, you know, I didn't even know, I didn't know he was actually kind of a, uh, childhood hero of mine, Joe Jusco. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I recognized his work because I knew him from Marvel comics mm -hmm. and growing up in middle school and high school, I would, he was one of the youngest painters to ever start working for Marvel. And, uh, you know, he started painting at like 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And so he's not even that much older than me, but I've been, you know, I was influenced and uh, was a fan of his and then came to the WWF and saw his work, um, you know, for the Rumble 91, 92. So, yeah, no, that was not me. Um, I took over in 93 um, because, honestly, I could I work cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a very similar kind of style and everything. It was nice to see that they had gone that route to make, you know, that event seem all that more special, really. Um, just sort of tell us how that came about for you, sort of, you know, what the pitch was and, and sort of the actual production of it. Yeah, the um, so that was one of those. Oh, so I so while, while I was working there, I'm doing, you know, pen and ink work. I'm doing the costume designs. I'm doing some logos here and there. Um, lots of pencil work, lots of preliminary drawings, all that kind of stuff. But to be honest, my love, in art is painting. I love to paint and that's what I wanted to do. And I was watching being the house illustrator, watching them still hire out the big jobs to other illustrators like the rumble stuff. And I have to admit it hurt a little bit because I understood that I was a young, I was young, and um, it was a big risk to uh, ask me to do, you know, one of the uh, advertisements for the big events. And if it didn't go well, time was always of essence. And, you know, there's a there's a risk factor where it's like, oh, geez, now we have less time. We have to hire somebody else because this kid, um, you know, couldn't pull it off. Well, it got, there got to a point where I guess they just um got the confidence in me because um i had such a high percentage of success with the jobs that they were giving me that they came to me and described the survivor series and i had no idea that it was a big deal that the paper you know i knew it was a big event and stuff but i had no idea that you know pay-per-view was the that was the pinnacle of you know of viewership you know the viewership it was going to go, you know, be everywhere. So really they described to me uh, the four wrestlers that they wanted in the painting. And, you know, it was Tatanka, Lex and the, uh, uh, the Steiners. 
They said they wanted him around a, a Thanksgiving turkey, dressed like Yokozuna, and uh, make it very American. They they gave me some fairly specific things. Uh, I believe that it was there my my art director's idea to have Lex holding the uh, fork and knife over his head, you know, staring at the turkey about to cut it. But what I would have to do is I would have to go. And like I said before, I work with photo reference and I like to make things look as kind of real at not cartoony as I possibly can. So I'd go up to the uh, photo, uh, the uh, reference room, which was upstairs. And I would go through all the files, you know, Lex Luger files and look through photos and try to get a perfect face, try to find one that, you know, where his arms and this and that and match them up. And, and what I call it Frankensteining is putting their pieces together. And then I would do the same thing with Tatanka and I would do the same thing with the Steiners. Sometimes, you know, those are my, my hands holding the knife and I would take photos, you know, of my, and then work that into the illustration. And, um, and it was just one of those things where it just really came together. The painting came out uh, exactly what they were hoping for. I And I tell this story. It's actually uh, one of the most stressful moments of my life. But I brought the painting in, and they absolutely loved it. Um, and, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. They loved it so much that that's when they came up with the idea to do the second page of the Foreign Fanatics. <laughs> Problem was, I was leaving on a vacation to Europe the following day. The next day, I was I had literally 24 hours before I was going to get on a plane and leave. And they already got it approved by Vince. And that was the thing. You don't let Vince down. So I had to make a decision. And, you know, and, you know, I mean, this they, they paid me well. And it, I was like, wow, I, I got to pull this off. And I went home and I literally painted for 24 hours straight. Um, I put on a pot of coffee and I stayed caffeinated, stayed up all night, 24 hours, um, finished that Foreign Fanatics painting in one day and drove it into Stanford, Connecticut from uh, Long Island, New York and uh, delivered it. Uh, they loved it. Flew out to uh, went out to LaGuardia, got on a plane, and and pretty much passed out uh, <laughs> till my trip till my till the plane landed in Holland. Okay. So yeah, it was. You, uh, you earned that break, basically. Yeah, big time. <laughs> After that, I tell you, that was one of the most. Uh, there is an unbelievable feeling as an illustrator, as an artist, when you successfully when you do. When you finish a project and you um, present it to your client and there is an overwhelming uh, positive response, there is a crash that happens. Uh, and on a normal, uh, you know, on a, in, a no in normal circumstances, yeah. in this circumstance, there was like no sleep and the crash. And I was, just, you know, and I was like, that was one of the most relaxing, uh, one of the most relaxing flights I've ever taken. <laughs> So yeah, it was that you know that's the whole uh, that whole Survivor series is uh, very memorable to me. Yeah. And then I found out that it's such an iconic uh, event, and it people is. you know remember that. And then when I got back to make things up to, to add on to the story, when I got back from Europe, 
they told me that Tatanka got hurt and I had to paint the Undertaker in the exact pose. So the saga continued. <laughs> well, it just yeah. kept going. And, um, and so, I, I, you know, I did that. And that's the Undertaker appears on the uh, VHS covers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where else, but um, a lot of people ask, why is the Undertaker in that? And then, you know, he didn't, they didn't um, publish that in the uh, magazine yeah. ad. You know, if there just wasn't time to do it. I saw you. Um, somebody asked you in another group today uh, about why was uh, why wasn't Crush on the other one? Because yeah. they did another switcheroo with the Foreign Fanatics team as well. I guess that was a time thing. It's just too late to make any adjustments, or did they dare not ask? You know, it's. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I until fairly recently, I didn't even know that Crush was the one who uh, got came in for Ludwig Borga. Uh, uh, and th- to, to be, I'm, you know, which is awesome because Crush was another one of my guys, one of my <laughs> designs. Um, it what it had to be. I don't have the exact answer, but it, I have to say it had to be a time factor. They just didn't have time to uh, to you know repaint, or they already sent out everything that they were sending out to for promotion, um, and it was just in that gap of time where it's like the promotion's done. So, so there, it, it makes sense to uh, put Crush in the, uh, you know, in, replace right. him in the painting. Yeah. So, so let's let's circle back to to one guy we've not talked about. It's a, it's a, another of your characters um, that you have connected with again recently, which is Adam Bomb. Yep. Which, uh, again, visually, one of the most iconic, memorable looks i think they had back then even today so just talk a little bit firstly about how um obviously you were involved in, with the wwf and doing this at the time but can you remember your initial thoughts when they came to you with this character they didn't come to me with the character that's one of the proudest moments um as far as costume design goes they came to me with uh with brian's photo of him as what was he wrapped in the wcw before adam mm-hmm. bomb Night Stalker, I think he was. Night Stalker, that's it. Yeah. Yes, Night Stalker. He was he was Night Stalker, and um, they gave me a snapshot of his head, so I knew that I knew what he looked like, and that's why in the costume designs it actually has his you know it likeness okay. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said we don't know what we want him to be, so that was that was the first time I believe that they just said no theme you come up with the theme and let's see what you let's see what you do and i remember i did a um i did a mercenary type theme i did a uh like a medieval knight with chainmail. i did a um geez there was there was a, a like a commando with camel with camouflage and he was like the master of weapons kind of okay. thing and i came up with you know those three but adam bomb the nuclear idea was um, was really influenced by my comic book background, and that is what I wanted to do. Like so, that was that was the one time where I could be like, "Wow, I can really have fun and do this kind of like real graphic comic book type symbol on the chest." You know, there's Batman, there's Superman, there's Green Lantern. They have that symbol on their chest, yeah. and um, and kind of do that comic book superhero look and 
um, I came up with the idea to do the goggles, uh, and um, I I did the goggles and the um, you know the whole thing with the gloves. And when they chose that, that was a super proud moment where I was like, wow, this is 100%. I can claim that th there was nobody else involved with this costume except me. And I was, I was really proud of that. Um, then when they actually had the costume uh, approved by Vince and sent off to the seamstresses, they came back to me and they said, okay, the seamstresses, are, they're working on his singlet. Uh, you're responsible to make his goggles and gloves. And I, I was like, I've never, you know, I've never worked. I've never done any kind of costume, you know, creation before and um, went out, looked, you know, went to electrician shops and found goggles and um, hand, I, you know, I spray painted a bunch of different ones and tried different things, hand painted them, the yellow with the red. And then I came up with the idea that, the all electricians goggles obviously have clear glass so they can see while they're working. That doesn't work with a, uh, with a, a wrestling costume or a comic book type character. Um, I came up with the idea of uh, using the reflective mylar inside the lenses so that it would create this kind of weird glow and mystique. And I went up to the uh, WWF's merchandise department and got one of Bret Hart's uh, novelty glasses that yeah. just, you know, it was just that flimsy Mylar stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I took the glass lens and I sliced out the circles and I inserted Bret Hart's Mylar into his goggles. And that became the atom bomb, you know, the atom bomb goggles look. And then the gloves, I bought yellow gloves. I bought black gloves. I cut them up into the, um, you know, that, that triangular shape. And then I got grommets and I grommeted the, uh, the gloves together so that they were super strong. So that when, you know, I didn't know whether he was going to wrestle with them or whether he was going to take them off or what, but, um, yeah, that was the first time that they, you know, they were like, you have to create these elements yeah. from scratch. That's so yeah, that so was, that was a fun did, I understand part of your role probably I don't know if it was every time but you you had to be there for their debut when when you know when the wrestlers were making their debut with your costumes or whatever can you remember much about when Adam Bomb first went out there and how you felt you know knowing <laughs> that this costume was like your baby almost well yeah I, okay whenever a costume debuted it was super exciting but a little bit nerve-wracking also because there was um, there was the there was always the possibility that you know before before Janet Jackson's uh, you know um, uh, you know whatever they called the the malfunction. The, the, the equipment mal <laughs> uh, costume malfunction yeah wardrobe malfunction right yeah. um, there was always the possibility of wardrobe malfunction with your design and we were responsible like you know our you know, our asses were kind of on the line with, um, with the functionality of the costumes. So, uh, with Adam bomb, you're, you know, now I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story and I've told it, uh, in other places, but Adam bomb's debut was a very unique, uh, experience. Okay. Um, I, I went backstage, made sure the goggles and the gloves, everything was together. He had his sing singlet. Um, 
you know, when he came out, I mean, it was like, holy, it was without a doubt, hands down, the closest I've ever come to the, when the drawing was translated to life, it was unbelievable how much he looked like the drawing. And so that, that was a hundred percent. That was the, that was a victory right there. Um, and that had nothing to do with me. It had to do with the fact that Brian, you know, looked like a superhero. So sometimes they don't quite look like that. And the costume, you know, doesn't have the effect that you want it to. This one was a hundred percent, but because of that fact that he looked so imposing and so dynamic and so good that um, there was another wrestler by the name of Mr. Perfect that uh, that was toward kind of heading towards the end of his career and I guess a little bit insecure and out of the blue came storming over to me and got in my face and he just started screaming from right here in my face. Are, you know, are you the guy that designed Bomb's costume? And he was like, you know, you know, who the who the who, the, who do you think you are um, designing his costume with the same singlet cut? And it was so ludicrous and absurd that this guy was so sensitive about a singlet cut that I actually nervously started laughing and he thought I was laughing at him and it was this super uncomfortable thing and I got to the point where he was so angry I thought that he was going to hit me I thought he was going to actually hit me and um and at the time I I was uh you know I was out working out pretty hard I was a uh, you know I was a a pretty big guy. I, I looked at him and I was like, man, he ain't Scott Steiner. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, man, if he hits me, you know, I think I'm going to throw down with him. And that <laughs> thought went through my head. And it was one of those surreal moments where I'm like, I can't believe I'm contemplating fighting Mr. Perfect backstage at Adam Bombs. It was like one of those weird dreams. And, um, you know, I was like, I would have probably got, you know, my ass handed to me, but how funny of a story would it be? And, um, and it was one of those things. And I caught my composure and I just said, Hey, listen, Kurt, I was like, Vince approves everything. I was like, if you got a problem, man, you got to go to him and, uh, you know, talk to him about it. And I guess in his rage, that made sense. And he just turned around, went to Vince, started yelling at Vince and Vince started laughing and um, he like punched a locker or did something and stormed off. And, um, you know, my, I was just standing there with my heart pounding. <laughs> and I was like, man, I have a job to do. And I was like this, you know, it was hard to get back on track, but yeah. everything went super well. And I have um, a super funny story uh, and experience for, you know, for yeah. uh, Brian's debut. Brilliant. So, yeah. And, yeah. Was it a coincidence then, just thinking off the top of my head? So, Survivor Series 93, uh, Adam Baum and Mr. Perfect were meant to be in the same match on opposite sides, and, and Mr. Perfect ended up not performing. So, oh, no way. Yeah. So, I, th- I think he must be gone out, gone out injured. Maybe there's another reason. Maybe he just didn't want to be. Uh, Man. Be- I did not know that. And, you know, I mean, it was actually, from what I remember, it was a pretty, he was very upset. 
Um, and, you know, and he's not the only one that was very temperamental about their uh, costumes, their colors, the designs, because they, you know, they have a look. And, yeah, and the, the, the thing is, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not judging Kurt by that. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was one of those experiences where, um, I can laugh about it now. And it was, you know, it was, you know, it was a little bit, it was quite uncomfortable, but Hey, maybe the guy was having a bad day. Maybe, you know, who, who knows what was going on in his life with his contract, with whatever it is. Um, and, um, you know, when I, when you get older and a little bit wiser, you realize that there's always reasons why people, you know, act out, um, who knows? Maybe he didn't. Maybe he did. You know, it got to the point where he was that uncomfortable or sensitive towards the thing. I don't know. But let's let's start a new rumor, shall we? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um. So so bringing more up to um more up to date. So like I say, you connected with Adam Bomb, Brian Clark again. So tell us tell us a bit about sort of how you've been working together again at the moment. Okay, so this is, you know, and and this is part of this time in my career where things have come full circle, like I said before. So I start posting and sharing my stuff on Facebook and Reddit and these uh, and so and Instagram and social media. Um, people start becoming aware of, um, you know, my what I've done, and evidently, uh, one of the a fan in one of the Facebook groups is like the biggest Adam bomb fan alive. Mm -hmm. And I was chatting with him, direct messaging with him a little bit. And he was asking me questions and I was trying to, you know, give him as much, you know, Adam bomb information as I could. And evidently he went back to Brian and told Brian that, um, that I was in this group and, um, out of the blue, I get this message from Brian and, you know, he didn't identify him. He just said, um, um, hey, man, wanted to see if you had any paintings of me. And, and I just was like, not sure. I, I reckon, you know, I recognized the name immediately. I was like, oh, shit, it's Brian Clark. Um, and I wasn't sure if he was aware that I was just an artist and doing paintings of wrestlers or if he actually knew that I was the designer and creator of his costume. So I just responded something like, uh, well, I was like, I don't really have any paintings of you, but I created you, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> kind of like this is, yeah. And yeah. he was aware or, you know, he, you know, and he just, and it was one of those serendipitous things where one of my favorite costumes that I created um, came back and he said, listen, I have the copyrights to all my characters and I'm actually looking for an artist to work with on creating merchandise for, you know, my line. Uh, you know, do you have any interest? Are you still even working as an artist? And I was like, Oh man, I was like, are you kidding? I was like, I've been doing stuff for Marvel, DC, Iron Maiden, uh, you know, heavy metal magazine, world of Warcraft magic. The guy said, you know, that's what I've been doing for the last 30 years. Um, you know, completely out of the wrestling scene, but, but man, it's coming full circle. And if we can kind of work out a situation that works for both of us, I would love to, you know, do something together. And, 
you know, it took a little, you know, like, you know, we worked it out and um, he threw an idea out at me of him uh, with the, uh, the painting that you have in the background there of him holding the uh, nuclear warning kind of thing with a green, you know, that's kind of acid green glowing mushroom cloud in the background and stuff. And, um, and, you know, he had uh, the idea of him with like kind of the flag and standing like kind of full body on like almost like a captain America kind of thing. And I said, man, I was like, I like the idea but I think it could be a, even more dramatic and let's go comic book on it with a real comic book pose of like, and I created the thing where it almost has the um, visual of his body becomes the stem of the mushroom cloud, uh, you know, and, um, and works in. So you can see the cloud behind him, and then his V shape comes in and then there's the explosion underneath. And we did that and they just released it as a t-shirt and posters and things like that. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll see if there's more to come uh, working together. And there you go. On that subject, um, anyone who is interested in, uh, in tracking down any of the merchandise with this image on it, prowrestlingtees.com if you're in the States. If you're in the UK or in Europe, wrestlemerchcentral.com. You'll be able to find it there. Or, um, his, his new merch line is, is looking amazing. You know, I, I connected with him myself a little while back. Um, when I sort of found he was in these groups as well, he was like, you know, go right back to this point. Been like with you today, you know, go right back to this era that I absolutely love. I still live there. Really. Yeah, it's so. it's. I I tell you, that's one of the things that also makes me real happy is that back in the day, um, I didn't have a whole lot of interaction with Brian, but the interaction that we did have was very positive. He was a very cool guy. And I'll be honest, I'm I'm loyal to the bone. When somebody's good to me, I do my best to uh, reciprocate. And um, even though it wasn't like a big deal, there was a few guys that were super appreciative, really cool. And um, Scott Hall was one of them. Brian was one of them. Charles Wright absolutely was one of them. And um, I'm like, man, you know, really it was I was like happy that it came full circle and I could kind of come back and help him out. Um, he's, you know, uh, the fact that I designed a costume that worked so well with merchandise, with the, you know, the theme and the logo. And I love that he's doing all this stuff and um, able to uh, utilize, you know, that imagery all these years later. I, you know, I, I just wish the best for him. Yeah, and and you, you know, I mean, you you've given us a hell of a lot of memories, and it's great to see you still out there, you know, creating stuff like this, um, you know, for for you know, countless like me are still going to enjoy it, you know. So uh, just sidestepping just quickly, one thing that you said there about the Iron Maiden, is it the Iron yep. Maiden comic in that you worked on, was it? Or yes, correct. So. Let's see. Before the pandemic, uh, in I, it was either two, I think 2018, 2019, uh, Heavy Metal Comics did a, an Iron Maiden uh, comic book that coincided with their tour, the Legacy of the the Legacy of the Beast tour, mm-hmm. and I've been working with um, a, a, an individual. His name is Lexi Leon, and he has been so good to me 
and we've been working together for so many years and I did work for his personal, uh, uh, his personal, um, properties. And he told me years ago that he was working on a deal with Iron Maiden. And, um, he asked me, would you be interested in working on some Iron Maiden stuff if that comes through? And I've been working in this business, the comic book business long enough where I, I have to say 95% of promise our promises are broken. Most people mean well, but they move on and do something and they meet someone else and they net the deal never comes through five years later or so he gets back to me and he's, and he's, he's one of the only guys in the industry that actually kept his word with that long of a period of time in between. Okay. And um, he came back to me and he said, man, the Iron Maiden deal came through and he's like, you want to work on a couple of covers? And I was just like, and this was my fanboy moment because <laughs> I grew up in the eighties metal scene with my friends in metal bands and going to see them in at Lemoore's in, in New York and going to the heavy metal clubs and the whole thing. And I'm like, to paint Eddie the head was one of those moments where I'm like, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. And he gave me those two covers and, um, further to even further the experience after I did the covers, he hooked me up with VIP tickets to the Iron Maiden show in Charlotte, North Carolina here. And I have pictures with Steve Harris and, um, went back, you know, went behind the scenes and drank trooper beer, um, wow. before the show. It was absolutely awesome. I can't thank Lexi enough. Um, and uh, yeah, and now he has another project for me that I can't announce yet because it's not a done deal, but um, it's another it's another super fun one. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the future, I'll be able to I'll be able to announce that. So I suggest to everyone, Ben, I know I, I'm already there, but um, follow Tom on social media. I, uh, I I can't recommend your 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 page enough. The Art of Tom Fleming. I hope I got that right. Um, yep. It's, it's it's fantastic, you know. If you if, if you want to go out there and see, you you may be familiar with the WWF side of, of Tom's work, but going on there and, and see everything else is is phenomenal. The stuff that you've done, so it's it's a great place to go and you know be amazed. Well, thanks. Um, you know, if it, I have to, you know, I have to send an apology out to all the um all the folks on Facebook because I've been getting a crazy amount of um, friend requests. And, you know, Facebook on personal pages only allows 5,000 uh, friends. And I have about 4,900 and like 90. And I leave 10 spaces for professional reasons. Like if an art director or somebody big in the industry wants to hook up, I have to leave those spaces open. So I leave 10 spaces. So I can't. Um, I can't confirm friend requests on Facebook, but I have the art of Tom Fleming on Facebook and please go and like that page and follow me on that page. And everything I put on my personal page, I also put on the art of Tom Fleming page. So, um, I, you know, and same with Instagram, Instagram is Tom Fleming artwork, um, at Tom Fleming artwork. And that's my, uh, website also Tom Fleming artwork.com. There you go. There you go. So just to close it up, this has been 
this is I'm, I'm not gonna um, i'm not gonna be too proud to say this is this is a bit of a dream come true because um but around the time that i i discovered again who you were what you did you were you've been on my bucket list for this podcast uh, you were a guest you know in my like top five that i had to have on there so thank you so much for uh, helping me tick that off this I, amazing. I, it's my pleasure chris um i it, whenever anybody you know tells me that they uh that, that I'm on a bucket list and they, like most people, you know, all my friend, my close friends and family tell me to shut up. <laughs> they don't, they don't need to hear, they don't need to hear all my crap, you know? No. So it's, it's super, uh, it's super nice. And um, man, it, it feels really good to, to hear that kind of stuff. It's a little surreal and um, I can't, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It never, no matter how many times I hear it, it never gets old. I, I appreciate it you know, the same amount every time. Um, the fact that I can do artwork and I've done artwork that people appreciate that much is, um, you know, I'd be nothing without people, you know, viewing my artwork and I wouldn't be able to make a living doing it. So, uh, you know, really the thanks goes to you and, and, uh, and your following and everybody that's, uh, appreciates it. No, no worries. I'm not going to let you go without one final question. Absolutely. Um, so I, I had a few sort of, you know, quick fire questions, but you've, you've kind of um, covered a few of them. So, you know, what your favorite project was, what your least favorite, most embarrassing ones. We've touched on those. Now, is there a, a, a could be WWF, WCW, is there a wrestling superstar whose costume you either would have wanted to work on that didn't, or one that you've seen since that you look at and think, I could have done a better job on that. Huh. Um, it's a good question. Um, I, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't follow wrestling currently that much. Um, although I do have a nine-year-old nephew and my brother-in-law, who's um, a bit younger than me, uh, he followed wrestling when he was younger. And now he's introducing wrestling to my nephew and now, now he's now my nephew's starting to, uh, you know, ask me questions about, do you know who so and so is and stuff? Right. And he brought uh, the fiend to my attention. Okay, yeah, fairly recently. Yeah. So um, I, I, you know, I, I looked at the fiend and I was like, oh man, I was like, that is a pretty cool concept. Um, I immediately, as soon as I saw the fiend, I was like, oh my god, that's the violator from uh, from Todd McFarlane's Spawn character. Okay. Um, it was, you know, to me, it had like a super uh, resemblance. Uh, but that's the kind of fun uh, kind of themes that I like. The thing is now they don't, as far as I know, they don't do the kind of real dynamic over the top, even cheesy, um, no. you know, gimmicks. No, no, no that's, that's so, one reason I'm, I'm very much still a sort of a 80s, 90s. I, I think you, there's so much about that era that you couldn't. You, know, you don't get close to sort of these days but um i mean even back when you were involved in it was there anyone you saw you know any any concept and that that came out that you were like you know what, i i would have loved to have worked on that yeah i'm trying to think because there you know what there i'm sure there was where there was um, some costumes that i didn't work on the design but then i saw the design i was like oh man you know um there was uh you know there was some uh there was some pretty f out there concepts at a time um but offhand i gotta say there's nothing that jumps out that i was like man i, could, I wish i could have got my hands on that 
I kind of just work whatever whatever the job was at hand is what I worked on and um, and just kind of like you know took that path. I uh, I'm I'm not I can't really answer that. I yeah I can't really answer that question definitively. Like um, you know uh, for sure. Um, I can say this one guy that um, that was done with his time at the WWF when I started working there that I would that was on my radar that would have been really cool to work with was Jimmy Superfly yeah. Snooker. Yeah. yeah Superfly Snooker. He was the first guy when I was a kid that I was a, I was a gymnast when I was younger and um, he was the first guy that was or not the first the first guy I was aware of that did that was built like a superhero that did the acrobats and I was like that's the fun that was fun to me um, I never got into the soap opera kind of behind the scenes ropes of the, you know all that kind of stuff but um, Superfly was like you know he was cool and um, that might have been a cool you know that might have been yeah. a cool guy to work with that's a yeah. great answer Anyway, thank you once again, Tom. You know, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for the memories and thank you for sparing your time. This is this has been amazing having you on, mate. Yeah, man, my pleasure. And um, if you you know if you want to do if you remember questions that you'd like to follow up on, you want to do a part two, um, man. It's you know as you know like we worked this out. Um, I'll find a little spot in my schedule that works for both of us, and um, and we can go from there. So yeah, That's man. Good. It's, you know, my pleasure, um, you know, yeah, we'll be in touch. Cool. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. All right. Take care, Chris. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 